Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a mom and the founder and chief creative officer of Author Accelerator. I'm Melanie. I'm a mom and a writer, and I'm pitching my first novel. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm a mom and a writer pitching my first middle grades novel. Welcome to Mom Writes. This season is all about the ups and downs of pitching. Join us as we prepare to pitch, weather rejections, change course, and hopefully celebrate getting agented. Mom Writes, as always, is sponsored by Author Accelerator, a book coach certification company. If you're a writer and you've ever been jealous of the amazing coaching experience that Melanie and I have had over the course of the last two hundred and fifty podcast episodes, why not head over to AuthorAccelerator.com, where they'll match you with one of their certified book coaches based on your project and your goals. The matching service is free. Or if you've ever listened to one of our episodes and thought, man, Jenny's job is the dream. I want to help writers bring their books to life. Well, Author Accelerator also trains book coaches in their certification program. They have courses for coaching fiction and nonfiction and a course on the business of book coaching. You can sign up for their free all about book coaching video series at www.bookcoaches.com forward slash ABC. And now buckle up for this emotional roller coaster on season three of Mom Writes as we take on pitching. Hello, Mom Writes. Today, Jenny talks about the energy each writer brings to the pitching process, and she warns us against having what she calls a pick-me attitude. So you've worked hard. Don't discount that. You don't want to feel lucky when an agent picks you up because it's not luck. It's an acknowledgement of your hard work. We also talk about personalizing queries for each new agent that you pick, and I read the personalization that I wrote for Alex Shane. That poor guy has no idea how much we've talked about and debated him. <laughs> I also talk about how I'm personalizing the next one for Michael Beret. Uh, we look at what it was about each of these agents that spoke to me and how I worked that into my query. So. Welcome back to Mom Writes, where we continue to pitch my middle grade novel, Miss Shelved. So welcome back, everybody, to Mom Writes, uh, season three, pitching. Trace, we have um, nothing to report on the front of the, um, the first exclusive query, which the exclusivity of it, I guess, um, expires like today, like in a couple hours, if we're being technical about it, right? So uh, the two weeks is up and I haven't heard anything, which is, it actually kind of feels fine. Like it doesn't feel hopeless. It doesn't feel frantic. It doesn't feel all the things that I kind of thought it might feel. It just, it just feels fine. So, so how have you been behaving? Have you been checking your email? Have you checked your spam? You oh, you know what? Checking my spam is something I did the first couple of days and I haven't checked my spam in a little while. Maybe I need to check my spam. I only bring this up because I was working with a writer who shall not be named and um, she, she was doing a, a short term thing with me, but I was there was a follow up component to it. And I kept um, emailing her and emailing her and asking her, do you want to schedule and do you want to do it? And my assistant kept emailing her, blah, blah, blah. And she was just not replying, not replying, not replying. 
And I kept saying, gee, I, I see her on social media. Like she must not be happy with us. Like you make that assumption that it's always mm-hmm. your fault, right? Well, long story short, I had a situation where an agent reached out to me because they were wanted to see this thing this person was working on. And, and I was trying to get in touch with her and she wasn't replying. So I finally went on to Facebook and direct messenger. Like, Can you please respond to me? And, and she went and found all of our emails in an archive folder. And she was beside herself with like shame and embarrassment that we thought she had just been ghosting us. And she's like, there's all these emails in here from all these different people too. And she's like, I'm just dying, you know? So now I'm panicking. (laughs) Let me, (laughs) I'm just saying, sometimes I think you have to make sure, you know? So I only have 11 emails. It looks like in my junk and none of them. Okay. It's all junk. It's literally junk. So yeah. So this is is perfect for the podcast because, you know, I always say you can hear from an agent between 30 seconds and never, and never is a thing. Like they say on their submission guidelines, if you don't hear from us in X weeks, it means we're not interested. So that's what I call the black hole rejection. And in your case, you put the two-week exclusive on it in your letter, but this particular agent says she takes four weeks to get back. So that mm-hmm. means there's four weeks in which she still, I mean, two more weeks, weeks yeah. in which she might get back to you, but it's fair for you to send it out to others because you said two weeks that you would do the exclusive. So um, this is perfect because this is what happens. This is super typical. And we don't know what this agent's process is. She might do her queries once a month and it hasn't come up yet. So, you know, who knows? We don't know. So, um, but it's good that you're not freaked out because this can be a long and winding road. You know why I think I'm not so freaked out though? And because it occurred to me earlier, I was thinking about it. Like, why am I not being weird about this. Like, I think everybody's supposed to be weird about this, right? And I thought, no, but Jenny said the query was good. So like, I feel good that that part is solid. And I feel like the manuscript is pretty solid. Like I can still change it. I know there's going to be changes down the road, but I like in my bones and in my heart and my guts, like I feel pretty good about it. So I, you know, those two pieces I feel like it's there. Now it's just a matter of finding that person. And so, you know, I think I might be a mess if I felt like I had sent out a query that was like, maybe not that great, or maybe had something really wrong with it. Or if I was kind of panicking about the manuscript itself, that might be, but like, I feel pretty good about all the pieces. And so I feel like I'm in a good space. Plus, we, we, oh, go ahead. I was going to say plus, I kind of think that the second book that I'm working on is going to kick the first book's ass. So there's still this part of me that's like, well, if nothing happens, like I still have this really awesome other thing. And so I think this is worth really highlighting because the, 
I think the thing you always want to fight against is what I call the pick me mentality. Like, pick me, pick me, please just pick me. Like the crossing your fingers. Like, I just want an agent. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Like that energy is such toxic, bad mojo energy. And I think it's energy that women often bring to this process, particularly. And um, it's that, it's that there's so many dangerous tropes around it, right? It's like the wave the magic wand, lightning strike from God, pluck me out of the obscurity, like all those tropes and narratives. And it's like, no, you worked stinking hard on this book. You sought expert advice. You did beta testing. You revised, you revised again, you revised another time. Like you have put your heart and soul into this. And it's a thing that you love and you're proud of. And I just don't have the pick me attitude. Have the attitude you have. Like there's a great agent out there. It's just my job to find it. And you know that I just want to applaud you for that and point out that that is awesome because the opposite is, is no good. And I see it all over social media and, and I, I'm trying to not be mean spirited about it, but when I see there's, you know, you can see on any given day, a post of somebody celebrating that they landed an agent, celebrating that they got a book deal, celebrating like the opening their box and holding their book in the hands. And there's often this tone of like the word surreal appears almost every single time. Like this is surreal and I can't believe this is happening. And the reason I say try not to be mean spirited is because it's like, these are people's dreams. Like their dreams are coming true. Stop, stop judging them. You know, and I know that I'm doing that, but there's such a tone of like, I got lucky. I got picked. I got, I got that lightning strike from God. I can't believe it. And it's like, oh, come on. You worked your butt off for this. You know, you put in time and energy and intention and talent. And, you know, why is there not more of a spirit of this day is here because I worked my butt off and I wanted it. And I, and I got through the ups and downs and I'm so proud of myself today. You know, I'm up, I'm up on my soapbox a little bit, but <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I love your attitude and I want you to try to carry it through the whole pitch process because it's about this thing you made. And and I also want to point out another thing you said that is super awesome. This is like Abby is awesome day. Um, what you said was, I'm working on another thing. It's going to be even better and I love it so much. So that's the thing also is a book a book represents a moment in time. It it doesn't represent us for the end of time. It's it's a thing that we made at, at that moment. And like for you, it was that time when you moved and that time when you had your kids the age that they are and the time, you know, the year I was reading these particular books, like that's what this book is all wrapped up in. And there's gonna be other books and they're gonna they're gonna be better because they're gonna be you improved and growing and moving forward and all of that. And so the idea that one book has to be everything forever for the end of time is also kind of toxic, you know, like I recently reread 
Well, I didn't reread it because I couldn't. Um, I opened my first book and observed the words that were in it. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a kind of interesting story. So my first book was a book about getting married. It was this book I wrote about like a countdown through the engagement. And my own child got married in COVID times this year. And it was so funny because in the middle of her engagement, she said, gee, maybe I should read your book about that you wrote about getting married. Could you send it to me? And it was just so funny because it was like, wow, that's a missed opportunity to have sent my child a meaningful gift, right? (laughs) Like it just, just, it kind of goes to show you the place that that book holds in my life, right? Like I didn't even think about it when she got engaged. Oh, I wrote a book about that. So I went and I got a copy off the bookshelf. I have a few dusty copies and I wrapped it up and I sent it to her. I probably wrote something nice in it. And she was writing me saying, I'm crying and it's so beautiful. And what a trippy experience to read about you at my same stage of life. And and all of that was incredibly cool. Like, I'm not going to lie. That was an amazing experience. And just very cool. Made the whole thing worth it. But then I went and I got the book and I was like, what's she reading about? Like, I don't even remember what I wrote, like what's in it, you know? And, and I was reading it. It was just cringy. It was so cringy. Like I just can't even, you know, and it was, it was more than 25 years ago, me. And, and that book, you know, and so I was cringing and I was like, ah, And then I thought, well, okay, wait, hold up. That book represented me at that moment. That was what I thought that was. And it was my first book. It launched my career. It led to all the other things. Like I have so much gratitude and love for it, even though I can't actually read the words that I wrote. And so it just kind of has really cemented to me that belief that, that a book is not, you know, you don't have to pick it up 25 years later and say, that was the best thing I ever wrote because you're going to write other things. I hope, I hope I just keep getting better. I mean, if you don't get better, why keep doing it? Right. So. Well, and you're having so much fun. I am having fun. And I'm, I, you know, I had told myself I was going to take all of November to get a really, like I I told myself I was going to have between now and Thanksgiving to get a really watertight inside outline so that after Thanksgiving, I was just going to let it rip and I wanted to be done by my birthday in February. And so that was this timeline I had laid out for myself. And then I realized, oh my God, I did my inside outline and I don't know, it seems pretty good to me. I was like, so now I'm just like chomping at the bit to get back in and start writing it. But, um, Anyway, I keep, every day I take a breath, I read through it again, I tweak some things, I get it just right, and then I'm... Have you put so. the 10 checklist thing to it? The 10 checklist inside outline tester thing? I've never seen the 10 checklist inside outline thing. Well, we'll get that to you and we can put that <laughs> in the show notes for folks, but it's... Um, I can pull it up really quickly just to um, just to talk to you about it. But it's basically, um, oh, look, I found it. It's, um, I'm not going to go way into this because it's not what we're talking about today, but it's the, um, 
you know, check to be sure there's one clear point. Is it about something? Check to be sure that the POV is consistent and clear. Check for an arc of change. Does the ending resolve the problem of the beginning? Check the cause and effect trajectory. Do the actions the protagonist takes drive to the next thing in every chapter? Check the force of opposition. Is it clear what's standing in the protagonist's way on the inside and the outside? Um, check their motivation and logic. Does the protagonist's action make sense? Would they actually behave this way? Check to make sure your protagonist has agency over their decisions. Check the consequences of those decisions. Is something at stake? Check pacing and flow. Is there tension throughout the story? And check genre conventions. Does the story do what the genre needs to do? So it's just like a, it's a simple checklist that hits all the big things. And if you can go through that checklist and be like, yeah, 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 totally. Then you should start writing. I mean, the inside outline doesn't have to be hard. It, it's hard. I think it's a hard concept for people to get to think in that way, but you've been steeped in it for a long time. Once you get it, 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 it actually shouldn't be that hard. So maybe you want no, to- and it's the cause and effect. Oh, that damn bird today. She's just, my daughter's in there with her, but she's hang on B. Can you open that cage up? Can you let her out? Like who wants to be caught in a cage all day long? I'm like, let the bird out. So she shuts up. Um, oh, we'll have to cut that part out. But um, I think, I think that's, that's real life. You should keep it. It is real life. It's real life around these parts. I'm just, the, you know what? And the, the parrot is in the next book. Um <laughs> The parrot makes an appearance. The um, it's it's Mister. It ended up being Mister. Rafferty's origin story. Oh, so you okay. see him as a young rat, and how he becomes a pirate is in this story. Um, it has another bird in it. That's a one-eyed eagle. That's sort of a hypochondriac. Now, here's part of what I think. Whoever ends up with me on this next book, whoever ends up buying it. I've already got all the marketing in place for it because the eagle is based on an eagle at the wildlife sanctuary named Hannibal who has one eye. He lost his other eye to eye cancer. He's had multiple surgeries. He's this big, beautiful, bald eagle who only has one eye. And so I wrote this character in there and I've already called the wildlife sanctuary and asked if the book gets picked up, can he do school visits with me? And they said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Abby. Only you. <laughs> so it's all planned out. But before we get there, we got to pitch wait, Alex Shane. Wait, why don't you what? start doing videos with the bird now? Oh my God. I know. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I, they had a good laugh because I stinking love all the birds at the wildlife sanctuary. And sometimes I go in and they let me hold them. They always be ends up holding a new one every time. And they always send me pictures of her with like some falcon or some owl or something on her arms. And of course I'm like super jealous of the whole thing. So I 
would say it is by no stretch of the imagination that I am writing this character into the book so I can have an opportunity to hold a bald eagle. I mean, this is like definitely in my radar. So do it, do it, do it, do it. All right. We got to get back on track. Let's talk about, you're going to send out now you, your strategy, you still feel good about one at a time. You know what it's no. like now. You don't no, I'm going to do, so I'm going to do five. I'm okay. going to, I'm going to change gears because I think I'm realizing now that I'm living through it, yeah. that one at a time is going to take honest to God, literally forever. And the rest so of life. Yeah. the rest of my life, but yeah. I am going to send out each one, one at a time. So like I'm working on Alex Shane's, I want to be able to push play or whatever, send on his tomorrow. <laughs> Right. And then on Sunday, make the adjustment to do the the next one, because I think and then send them out like five days in a row. One, two, three, four, five, because I'm afraid if I try and do them all at once, I'm going to mix something up because I've noticed. So like Alex, I got I have all of his um, like requirements all together in one document because he wanted 25 pages. So it ended up being more than the last one that I sent. So I just opened a new doc. I copied it over. I have, of course, read it like 17 times to make sure I have all references to Nancy Galt taken out because that's yeah. got to be a terrible faux pas. Yeah. Um, I've put in the, the exact number of pages that he wants. Um, but then I noticed, so the, the person I want to work on tomorrow God, I, I'm not even sure I'm saying his name right. So if he ever listens to this, I'm so sorry. And I apologize. I think it's Michael Bure. Oh, at Distal Goderick. Yes. Did I say it right? I believe so. Okay. But they said they want the personalization in the first paragraph of your query. And so like, I'm trying to find all those little pieces where they've made specific asks. Yeah. And make sure I have it in there. So. Okay, so um, be sure when you're sending out a batch, I always like to put a line just at the end that says something like, I'm sending this pitch or sending this query to a, a small group of agents or a select group of agents. Just that can even be the whole sentence, but just so, I mean, it's, the reason that I suggest that a lot of people say, well, isn't that just totally assumed that they're sending it to multiple agents, that you're sending it to multiple agents. And that is the assumption, but I kind of like just adding that line, you know, I'm sending this to a small group of agents to kind of signal I've done my homework. I'm not blanketing the town with 50 mm-hmm. queries to everyone. You know, I really picked you and, and I put that same careful attention to the other agents I picked. I just, I don't know. I kind of like that vibe um, for, for in the letter. Um, so I'm going to move you over here because I'm going to type. Okay. So here's, here's what I've got. I'm going to read this part to you. And my, my second question today was, where do I put that line? Okay. So, okay. What I did was I, at the bottom, I took out the part um, where I had personalized it for Nancy. And here's the piece that I put in for Alex. I said, honestly, your bio had me at former stuntman. 
Despite my main character being a girl, I suspect the pirate rat kamikaze car chases and a cat that blows up the school library, as well as the fact that someone pees in the school dunk tank will appeal to your boy book taste. So I love every single thing about it, except you really jolted me at boy book taste. Um, so he's the one who wants more boy books. So I just made a really terrible assumption, uh, which I will now fess up to because I made the assumption when I heard that. Wow, I can't believe I made this assumption. Um, I made the assumption that you can't write a boy book because you're not a boy. Do you believe that? Well, and you know what's funny is, uh, and I, I actually took out I actually rewrote this paragraph multiple times because I remembered you saying, don't be defensive in your right. query. No, and no. I wrote it a couple of times where I was a little defensive about the fact that because my main character was a girl, that it wouldn't be seen as a book that boys would want to read. Right. That's and, kind of what I was thinking. And that, yeah, girl, she's not, a, I mean, Boy, the main character is not a boy. I was just like, Abby didn't write a boy book, which is just a false assumption for so many reasons and, and the way we want to not think about so many things, right? So, um, should I read it one more time to you? One more time, yeah. Okay. Okay. So it says, honestly, your bio had me at former stuntman. Despite my main character being a girl, I suspect the pirate rat, kamikaze car chases, a cat that blows up the school library and the fact that someone pees in the school dunk tank will appeal to your boy book tastes. I think it's fabulous. I think it's fabulous. fabulous. Okay. So it's fabulous because it is super specific to him and his bio and this particular thing about it. It. And then it's super specific to what he's looking for. And the details you pulled out are hilarious and they're fun and they're rich and they're resonant. My guess is that, you know, he would laugh. Like he'll read that and be like, amazing. And then the rest of your query supports all the things. So I, I dig it. I think it's okay. fabulous. Um, you know, in writing personalizations, just for the people listening because that's so good, writing personalizations can be really hard. And oftentimes the ones that I see people do at first are pretty lame. Like, you know, they're, they're just pulling out some generic thing and saying, oh, I see that you represent books about food or, you know, like just, they're just generic. And you, you really want a personalization to be personal. That's the whole mm -hmm. thing. If you can't, what I always advise is if you can't say something actually personal, the way you just did, don't put a personalization, right? Just skip it. Just go to, go to the pitch because a lame personalization is worse than, than no personalization. I think where, um, you know, you want to look at the mix of things they represent or like anybody that represents this book and that book is going to like mine or, I heard you say on this interview that you were dreaming of a book with X and I have a book with X or, 
you know, it can even be actually personal. Like, um, I've had some writers say things like, um, I see that you're a ballroom dancer and in your spare time and, you know, I got ballroom dancing in mind or I am too. And this book is not about ballroom dancing, but I feel like somebody who does ballroom dancing would get what I'm trying to do. You know, like it, it can be actually personal as long as it's not creepy. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, most agents have interviews, they have guest posts, they have, you know, podcast stuff, they've got blogs, they've got millions of resources for finding what they're interested in. So, you know, you want to do something specific like, like you did. I think it's excellent. And it wasn't, you don't want to be, um, well, I said defensive before, you don't want to be fawning, you don't want to be obsequious, you don't want to be, please pick me. We talked about that earlier, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to be any of that. And yours has that tone of like, my book is so stinking fun, you know, love my book, <laughs> which I think is the right tone. You know, I love it. I love it. Well, I've been thinking about how to do the one for Michael Bure, if I said yeah. his name right. Um, because part of what I liked about him was he, well, number one, he says that thing that I love it when agents say, which is, I, I can't even tell you what I'm looking for until I see it. So I'm open to looking at anything. And I think that's just like a really wonderful attitude to have because I mean, you never know when something's going to tickle your fancy, right? So he says that and I love it, but he also talks about um, reading with his kid, with his mom when he was a kid, his mother would read to him every night. And that essentially he's always looking to like reclaim that nostalgic feeling, reading a book that he used to get when he read books with his mom as a child. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. And so I've been for the last couple of days, just kind of like mulling it over. Like, how can I, you know, how can I sort of tap into, to that particular piece that he's talked about because that was really the piece like of his bio that that spoke to me the most and so that's beautiful that's beautiful you're so good at this Abby you don't even need me to help in any way you're just like on it I will tell you what I'm not good at (laughs) and that is I am super embarrassed and I'm gonna put it here And we can totally end with this if you want. But remember last episode when I cried because I thought Dr. Doolittle was so beautiful and had been written just for me a hundred years ago. And then I read the next chapter and it was terribly racist. Oh, yeah. I've never actually read Dr. Doolittle. It is. It was. So it has a big section in the middle that has just not aged well it's you know dr doolittle goes to africa and and he's trying to save the monkeys in the jungle in africa but he and his animals do not describe the natives of the land in very pc terms and so i as i'm reading and i kept hitting the words and the funny thing i was i was listening to it on on audio at the same time that I was reading it and they changed some of the words for the audio. So mm-hmm. they did try and clean it up, but the scent, the sentiment was still there and it left me feeling sick 
reading this book. And so at first I got really upset that I was like, oh my God, I love this book. It was written just for me. And then I read it and I was like, oh God, I got to that part. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And then I thought, you know what? This is an opportunity to write a character that is distinctly not like that. And so, yeah. And there are a lot of books like that, that don't, that they were perhaps of their time and that don't, are not comfortable to read now because of, you know, hopefully our, our deeper understanding and awareness, but you know, it can be, I I mean, recently there was a lot on Little House on the Prairie Mm. um, with the, with the treatment of indigenous people and the portrayal and stereotypical um, characterization of it. And that's all true and that's all real. And it, it can be really hard because you love those books and, you know, I, I love them for me. I, I read them to my children and loved them and perhaps had a glimmer at the time of, of some of that. But now I really know, and it, you know, it does taint your love of them and it's hard. It's a hard thing to reconcile because there's the love, you know, like you had this love and now there's not so much. And I felt super disappointed and let down. And I kept saying, but Eddie Murphy was in this movie. Why would Eddie Murphy have taken on Dr. Doolittle if Dr. Doolittle had been bad? And then Monica, my neighbor, was like, because he's claiming it. He's claiming Dr. Doolittle as his. And I was like, I love that. So, you know, at least newer versions have more sense than the older versions. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we can reconvene when we either hear or don't hear um, the next time. Yeah. So thank you. Until then. Bye. Bye.